Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Did you know that one in six Northeast Ohioans struggle with hunger? Many people in Northeast Ohio are forced to make tough choices. Unexpected expenses, prescription costs, and rising heat costs are all things that can prevent people from being able to put food on the table, and they are forced to make tough decisions, which often results in hunger. But you can help. Each dollar that you donate to the Harvest for Hunger campaign will result in four meals. Donate today by visiting harvestforhunger.org. Help feed your neighbors. Cleveland.com is a sponsor of the Greater Cleveland Food Bank's Harvest for Hunger campaign. Welcome to the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. It is Thursday afternoon, just around 1 o'clock. Chris Fedor, Joe Varden with you. Boy, do we have a lot to talk about. The summer of LeBron Joe is finally upon us. Do you feel prepared for it? Is there any way to be prepared for what's coming this summer? Hold on. I just, uh, I just had to email an agent. Okay. I'm done. <laughs> uh, I heard you typing up something. Yes, yes. Uh, just, you know, hey, man, we've got the summer of LeBron. We've got a draft for the first time in forever. Um, you know, there's some spots at the bottom of the roster to fill, maybe. Some. Um, you know, Chris, I, I mean, I know we talked about this. I don't know if you guys know this, by the way. Chris is a, is a radio. Uh, he's very famous on the radio. He, uh, he has radio shows, and he's very famous. So, we were on his radio show the other day talking about LeBron and um, I, I, I am not sure uh, that he's leaving. Um, and I know, I know it all, I know it felt that way in the moment and it felt that way the last couple of days leading up to the last game of the finals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think a strong case can be made for the Lakers, but you and I spent a lot of time kind of poking the holes in that case as well mm-hmm. uh, when we were on the radio. Um, I think there's less of a case to be made in Houston. Um, I think there's some real holes in Philly and um, uh, where else? San Antonio. Uh, and so then, I mean, you look at the Cavs, and of course there are holes. But in terms of like what people say about LeBron and his legacy and his family and all those things, all of those things uh, go untouched um, in, in, if he stays in Cleveland. So um, I'm, I'm uh, as open as ever to the idea that he plays elsewhere, um, but certainly less sure of it uh, than I was a week ago. So what changed? Was it something that he said? Was it a vibe that you got from his people? Was it uh, the way that the finals played out? Was it doing yeah. more research? I can't well, imagine it. Was it. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
It wasn't the last part. <laughs> I didn't know if it was the last part from the standpoint of the Warriors are so dominant against anybody that going to any team is not going to remedy that sort of situation. So Right. Yeah, well, okay. That, that, maybe you could look at it that way. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, just, yeah, I mean, in talking to people, um, several, uh, it, you know, th- that would be in that kind of position, um, you just kind of get the sense that this is – this is more of an open question and that there's even, um, you know, legitimate thoughts about, about coming home. But I mean, but as we've said all along, I mean, he has always um, been considering staying in Cleveland and, or Mm -hmm. going into this, like wishing that he could or hoping that he could. Um, and, and, And I know like that shocks some people, but I always tell the story about how in February he was discussing, um, schools in Northeast Ohio for his, for, for Bronny, mm-hmm. um, who's going to be in eighth grade, uh, you know, for when he goes into high school. And, and, and that took some people back, like, wait a minute, schools in Northeast Ohio, why wouldn't you be talking about LA? And, and the look was, well, you know, cause we might stay home. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, so that's just, that that's where I am on it. I mean, I think there are questions everywhere. I think that the pressure would be great on him to win. If he leaves, um, I, I think he kind of understands that it isn't. If he uh, stays home, like he can kind of play, you know, he can rest when he wants. He can play in the playoffs with reckless abandon yep. uh, and try to win here. So maybe maybe that's what he wants at, at this stage in his career. But he might not. I mean, you know, he, he gave a pretty full-throated um, speech about what he thinks it takes to beat the Warriors and that's what everybody's trying to figure out and it, it would seem like it's hard to compile that in Cleveland but maybe I don't know maybe he thinks they still can too well the two things that he said to you um when you had the conversation with him was it last April um when he was talking about the things that he prioritizes at this stage of his life this stage of his career and then it seemed like he reiterated them in the day before game four. Um, and then after game four, immediately after that, he said championship mode. He still wants to win. He still right. feels like his game is at a point where he can win and win at a high level. And, and maybe, maybe a couple of years ago, he didn't think that he would still be at this dominant level when he's 33 years old, year 15 in the NBA. But here he is. And I think that allows him to say, I can still compete at the highest level. So he said championship mode. And he also said family. Um, Joe, I, I think the interesting thing is the minute that he said family, I think a lot of people made the leap to Cleveland, right? And they mm-hmm. started saying that's beneficial for the Cavs. And I think it is. It's obvious that it is. This is home to him. He has so much family in the area. He just bought his mom a brand new place. Um, so many people that, that he knows and he's close with work for the Cavs. Um, you know, his sons are in the locker room after like every single game. I'm not sure where that would fly elsewhere. So, so I do think him saying family benefits the Cavs greatly. But I keep going back to something, Joe. I keep going back to he understands how great Bronny is as a basketball player. And there's part of me that thinks maybe LeBron himself feels like Bronny would benefit greatly from going to California where it's like the best competition in high school basketball that you can find. 
play at a prep school with a ton of exposure. He doesn't have the pressure of playing at St. Vincent St. Mary and living up to his dad's legacy and playing in the gym that's named after his dad. Like the spotlight's going to be on him regardless because it's LeBron James Jr., but it's going to be a different kind of spotlight, I think, if it's not at St. Vincent St. Mary. And I just wonder how much thought LeBron has given to that and if he thinks for his family to be more comfortable maybe leaving and not having to put that extra pressure on him might be better. Well, I think that um, St. V isn't a guarantee even if they stay. I think that there are a couple of schools in play there, and I know that shocks the hell out of people, but it's true. Um, So that's the first thing to consider. And the second thing to consider, um, I'm going to mostly disagree with your take on this because LeBron's experience was playing in in, in Akron. Sure. And so um, he his experience would be, uh, you know, look where I am having played here. Um, LeBron also basically by like, you know, funds Bronny Jr. summer team. Right. And, and so they can do that. Like he can do that anywhere. Uh, include whether it's here or, you know, they like to live in LA in the summer anyway. So he could, he can buy uh, and put together this ridiculous uh, summer team that plays in the most ridiculous tournaments. And it can mm-hmm. be based out of LA, it could be based out of here, like whatever. Um, so I don't think that is it. Um, but if uh, what people seem to discount is that, uh, <laughs> that uh, w- when the family situation comes up, um, it, it is possible uh, that that Savannah now would rather live in LA than, than Akron mm-hmm. full time instead of just a couple months out of the year, and it is possible that Bronny um, has some some friends out there that we don't know about that and that going to school out there sounds great to him. Um, those things are possible uh, and and get discounted when you talk about family, um, but I, you know I mean you and I both agree that the family thing would seem at this point in the game to lead to, to lean towards Cleveland's favor. Sure. Before we get into questions, because this is going to be a big podcast in terms of just going through the number of questions that people have sent in on Twitter. I'm curious, family, we both agree that favors the Cavs. When LeBron says championship mode and he starts weighing the possibilities. And I think the thing that makes this decision interesting, Joe, is because of where he is in his career and in his life, combined with the fact that um, there probably isn't a perfect destination. It's probably, it's like looking for a house. Can I find something that meets most of my criteria um, rather than checking all the boxes? Because I don't think there's a destination, even Cleveland, that checks all of the boxes of what he would be looking for. So if we talk about championship mode, um, which team do you think that favors most at this point? And understanding that a lot of things can change because it's the NBA and things change quickly. And June 14th is, is a long way from June 29th. Right. I think it favors team X. Um, <laughs> okay. Because I don't think that there's any team um, that is set up exactly to do this. To, uh, to just take LeBron and go after the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know, I'm looking at the Rockets payroll right now. Um, they have going into next year, as it stands, this nanosecond, they have $20 million in cap space. Um, that is without signing Chris Paul, but they have his bird rights so they can go over the cap to sign him. But before they do that, they would have to sign LeBron. And that is not enough space to get LeBron. Uh, I mean, you're looking at 30-something million. Um, If he opts in, it's 35.6. I think the first year of a a new contract would actually be for a little bit less than that. But but still, you're talking north of 32 million anyway. So right now, the Rockets don't even have the cap space for that. And that is with um, Trevor Trevor Ariza, unsigned. Um, Let me see who else. Clint Capella, unsigned. Um, uh, Mba Mute, unsigned. Uh, Green, who, as we all know, played in the playoffs, unsigned. Um, And I'm not even sure. Like, the thing I have in front of me doesn't tell me which of those guys are uh, finishing their rookie contract. So I I don't know. But um, so all those guys are are unsigned. And they they still don't have the cap space for LeBron. So, So Houston would have to do stuff take LeBron and then you'd have to say is LeBron and Harden and whoever else they have I mean Eric Gordon I guess whatever is that enough to take down the Warriors um and and I just want to bring something up about about Chris Paul that that I was thinking about on a run the other day um I love him I I was like blown away by how tough he was in the playoffs and how he I mean he settled them down against the Warriors Mm-hmm. while he was available right um but once again a major injury that cost that cost his team a chance to advance how many times in his career has that happened so many so many and i love him i think he's an i think he's a fantastic player i think he traits wise he has a lot that to be desired and he has a lot that cleveland hasn't had yeah for instance but you can't count on him i know and like LeBron, like if he's if he's gonna go ring chase, he's got to put his eggs in the basket of the guys who he can most count on getting him there. And yeah. I, I don't know there. So then you talk about Philly. Um, you know, I love their young players, but they'd have to make sure that they got um, Redick back and Bellinelli back, and then with Embiid, who I just think is awesome, just totally awesome. I'm like enthralled when I watch him. Um, Everybody in Philadelphia says that his body is shaky. Uh, right. So he's an injury away. So I don't know, man. It's I, like I say Team X because if you could get like somehow figured out to get Paul George, maybe even Kawhi, um, mm-hmm. and, and, and then like Carmelo to the Lakers. Yeah. Yeah. Then that, that becomes Team X, but that team doesn't exist right now. And I think the interesting thing, you bring up Chris Paul. The other thing that's so frustrating about him in particular, Joe, he is so perfect for a series against the Warriors. Like, if you could build a player uh, that could compete against the Warriors, it's guys like him, it's guys like Kyrie Irving, because they're going to switch everything on the defensive end, and you have to have dudes that can win one-on-one matchups and just create offense when it doesn't look like there's anything to be created. And Chris Paul, it doesn't matter the stage, it doesn't matter the opponent, it doesn't matter the defender. He can get his shot off against anybody. 
And then on the other side of that, like he's tough, he's physical. Some would say he's borderline dirty, so he can match up with guys like Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. But if he's going to switch on to Kevin Durant, like he's going to body him and he's going to be physical with him and he's going to win some of those battles. Not all of them, but it's not going to be the way that it was for Kevin Durant when he played against the Cavs and he got George Hill and he just shot over him, or he got J.R. Smith and he shot over him. Like Chris Paul is a different kind of physical. Um, so that's the thing that I keep going back to on both sides of this. Like one side, you're right. Like his injuries are something that anybody would have to consider, including Houston or LeBron, if he's trying to either go to Houston with Chris Paul or try and lure Chris Paul to LA with him or something like that. The injuries are something that LeBron's got to consider and everybody's got to consider. But the other thing is like he is so perfect to beating the Warriors. And yeah. the way that the way that everything went down with him not being able to be a part of it for the last two games against Golden State, there's any dude that's motivated to form a super team to go charge after Golden State, I would think it's Chris Paul. Yeah. And and if he I mean, I definitely agree with what you're saying. It um as far as his makeup and what he brings. If he's healthy, he he's just great for that matchup. Yep. Um, like a Kyrie, like a LeBron, uh, it's that kind of guy. So, you know, I I mean, if you're LeBron and you're watching the Rockets and you're watching the last two games of that series, I wonder what you think. I mean, do you think like, well, that team is clearly the team that's closest to beating them, and I put them over the top? I mean, maybe you think that. Sure. Um, you also watch the superstar. James Harden allow his team to shoot 27 straight threes that don't go in. Right. That's, that is unacceptable. And when LeBron's talking about thinking the game and championship minds, I mean, James Harden doesn't have it. Uh I don't, I don't mind putting my name next to that. He he doesn't have it. I saw it in game seven. The, The onus falls on him to, to, to stop that tidal wave of, of just ridiculous threes and get to the hole and settle things down. Chris Paul would have done that. James Harden didn't. I mean, yeah. you know, the, the Warriors cruised to the, chi- to the chip against the Cavs. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't have been there. I just keep going back to if, if the goal is, and, and who knows if this is the goal, but if the goal is to form a new super team. LeBron formed a super team in Miami, and then he formed a new one in Cleveland. He came yes. back, he had Kyrie, and then they went out, they got Kevin Love. So if that's the goal, I think the team with the clearest path to doing that, Joe, is Los Angeles, isn't it? The Lakers. Because, number one, they have room for two max players in terms of salary and free agency. And number two, like they could do the Kevin Love-type trade. They could use some of the young assets that they've compiled over the years, either Brandon Ingram or Kyle Kuzma or Lonzo Ball or Josh Hart or the first-round pick that they have from the Cavs or their future first-round picks, and any combination of those guys together in a package, and then they could get that other guy, right? Like That seems to be the path where if it is, let's build a new super team, Like of all those teams, the Lakers seem to be very much a combination of the Miami Heat when LeBron joined in 2010 and the Cavs in 2014 with what they can combine to, to form something that looks completely different than what it is right now. 
Right. And so, I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, that that's how I feel about it. I just, I mean, th- they don't exist yet. Correct. Right. right. Yes. And, and LeBron wouldn't be the first piece to fall. Um, right. Right. So, I mean, like LeBron wouldn't go there uh, because all the stuff you just said is possible. Like all that stuff would have to happen first or in tandem, you know, yeah. simultaneously. So, so yeah, I mean, so to kind of boil it down, um, I really feel like it's the Cavs or the Lakers. I'm right there with you. And, and, and with what you said there, like it is entirely possible. In fact, I would say it's incredibly probable at this point that LeBron has talked to Paul George, right? That LeBron has talked to Chris Paul, that LeBron has maybe even talked to DeMarcus Cousins, like other guys saying like, hey, is this possible? Is this something that makes sense? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, you would think. Um, I don't think LeBron is traveling yet, or at least he had he he had him as of a couple of days ago. So, but they they've got tons of time. I mean, what is today? It's the fourteenth, uh, June fourteenth. Right. So he still has fifteen days before he <laughs> has to do the option. Yeah. Um, which could be on the table. Like he may just want to punt this decision until LeBron Junior is in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it could be that simple. Like it could literally be that simple. Um, so, you know, so there's all kinds of time to talk about this and figure this out. Um, if, if he wants to do a trade with the Cavs, it makes a lot of sense to pick up that option. So that would be the thing is if the Cavs want, if he wants to go somewhere and the Cavs would like to trade him, the most sense would probably be to do that, uh, that, that his option. So. So, so I guess in some respect, there's a little, a little bit of pressure there. But no, he's got all kinds of time. I think some of those calls have, have happened, but there's room to talk about it again. If he, um, if he decides to opt in, let's just say hypothetically, do you think he would consider that his best path to building what it is he wants to build to be in quote-unquote championship mode? In Cleveland? Yes. I don't know why, like what, why, why would, why would just because of the pressure it would keep on the front office to do this? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I am so fascinated by what's going to happen in this draft because I think it'll tell you a lot. Like if they, if they take a point guard or if they trade the pick, I think they are work. Well, okay. One more time. They cannot, trade the pick once they, they make it right you have to make it and then trade it yeah uh, and the actual trade can't go down until august so so everybody's clear right but if they do that or if they take like sexton um even trey young but i think sexton i think that is uh momentum building towards lebron if they take a big or if they take porter um not the i mean the latest stuff out there kind of suggests Porter won't be there. But if he is and they take him, mm-hmm. uh, I think that suggests that they are moving on from LeBron. And the thing that LeBron has always wanted them to do, and the Cavs get so pissed about this, but I think they're going to do it anyway this time, is build their team how they think it should be built and gotcha. actually build it. Yep. Um, and then LeBron can, can decide uh, if he likes – if this is the team for him. Um, and so, 
you know, I, I think they're, I think they'll explore all options. I think they'll, they'll explore Kevin's options. They'll explore those options with that pick and they'll try to get the right talent in here either way. And, and um, then, then we'll see on LeBron. Is it fair to say that the Cavs are going into this off season expecting LeBron to leave, but if he stays, they'll be tickled. You know, I think if you talk to some people who do what we do, they would say that the Cavs are expecting him to leave. I, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I don't, I have never quite gotten that sense. I, I think that they have always felt that this would be the year that he could leave. Um, but, you know, I'm telling you, I, I think there is some momentum um, towards, uh, towards uh, him staying. Okay. You ready for questions? Yes. Okay, we have a lot of them. Okay. Um, this one comes from Brandon. He says, LeBron meeting with the Cavs yesterday, question mark, question mark, question mark. I don't think that's a question, but okay. Yeah, I think we should try to stick to um, <laughs> non-internet rumors. Um, all right. Um, this one comes from Gunner. He says, how about LeBron to Washington? Nobody's talking about that. Wall and Beal plus Braun is a great team, and being in Washington makes it closer to Akron, puts him in the capital, given he also cares about social causes. Right. Um, well, anybody who cares about social causes in Washington right now is not, is not getting very far. Um, the Wizards are heading into next year. $23 million yeah. over the cap. So. Their salary cap is so bad. And look at some of those contracts. Gortat's contract, oof. Yeah, yeah. so, right. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, don't, uh, I, don't, I don't see that one. Uh, KJ says, if LeBron leaves, all the chatter says Love would be traded to start a rebuild. Why not just make him your top guy? Is he no longer good enough for that? There are a lot of layers to this one that I think some people are missing too, Joe. Yeah, why don't you – I mean, I, I have some thoughts on this, but I'd be okay. curious to hear what you think those layers are. Well, I think it starts with the fact that their 2019 first-round pick is top 10 protected. It's, it's right now Atlanta's pick. It was in the Kyle Korver trade. Yep. So if it's top 10 protected, it actually behooves the Cavs to lose and lose in a big way if LeBron goes, rather than being that middling team, the eighth seed, maybe borderline eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. Because if they fall outside the top 10 and they don't have LeBron, they don't have a first-round pick. It's going to the Atlanta Hawks. I don't think they could be much of anything with Kevin Love as a number one option to begin with. And I think it's better for the franchise as a whole for team building in the aftermath of LeBron leaving if, if they bottom out. And, and they try and rebuild it that way, the way that they did, similar to when Kyrie was here? Well, um, you would think so. You, you would think so. <laughs> and, and that is um, – Oh, boy. No, I, no, I mean, like, that, like I, I think without sitting in Kobe's seat or, you know, sitting in that front office, you know, in their war rooms, um, that's what I would say. I would say that if LeBron comes back, you do what you can to move Kevin um, and then turn around and move whatever you get from Kevin. Uh, you know, draft, I mean, I know this is ahead of LeBron, uh, what, his decision, but draft Porter, redshirt him if you have to. Mm-hmm. Um, 
make sure you lose. Uh, and so then you take another guy way up there in the first round, and now you've got that guy, you've got Porter, you've yep. got George Hill off the books, you've got JR off the books. Um, all of a sudden, your cap is looking a lot better, uh, a lot better. Yep. You know, so you've got all kinds of room to, to get better and maybe quickly. But, um, I mean, I have had conversations with people who have these jobs, not necessarily Kobe, but, but people, you know, who are in there sure. who, who talk about Kevin being hard to trade because he is an all-star and the value that you get in return for him not being that uh, equal to that. And then also, like, Dan's kind of desire to continue to win and that um, you, like, going the path of, of improving now. Right. Um, and, and being a good team, you know, maybe not a, a title team, but being a good team either way. And that would mean maybe keeping Kevin. So I just don't know if I believe that. Um, but I just, I want the listeners to know that I, I think your plan makes a lot of sense, but that just this other idea is out there. And I think the layer that you added about Dan Gilbert, like that's a competitive guy. That's a guy who probably believes that he can build a championship team without LeBron. That's a guy who does not like losing. That's a guy who went through a lot of losing between 2010 and 2014. So to have to do that again, like two huge stretches of losing in the span of eight, nine years for him, I think it would be hard for him to go that way. And, and I agree. I think tanking or bottoming out or however you want to phrase it, is usually something that makes a lot of sense in theory. And it seems like the best path back to respectability. But it also takes the right owner, it takes the right GM, it takes the right coach, it takes the right players to have to go through all of that crap and come out clean on the other side. And sometimes it's just easier said than done. And when you actually have to go through it and you have to feel the losses, and you have to suffer because not as many people are going to the queue and buying your merchandise and all those different things, it becomes harder on an owner to get himself into that mind frame that this is the best thing for the franchise. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, so, so that's, that's the thing. I mean, they have a chance either way to be in a good place salary cap-wise in two years. Yes, um, two years, correct. Yeah. I agree. So, so you could make that case. Again, like... <laughs> don't completely suck um, <laughs> next year and, and don't risk the potential of sucking and still not getting in the top 10. Yeah. You know, look at Charlotte. Oh gosh. Look I'd rather Lakers. not. <laughs> look at the Lakers. Look at, um, you know, look at those other teams. Like, yeah, they, they were terrible. And yeah. if they, if the Cavs just do that, um, they don't get to pick in the first round. So right. make a good pick now, uh, see what happens with LeBron, and then consider what that quick rebuild looks like um, and, and how guaranteed are you of being so bad that you are definitely in the top ten. I mean, you got to make sure you do it. Chaser wants to know, with the Cavs not being able to trade the draft pick until after the draft, what are the chances they pick and trade the player to another team? What would you say that is at this point? 50-50? No, I don't think it's 50-50. I think there is a, I think there is a chance that that happens. Um, I think it's still more likely than not that they make their pick. But, you know, we're recording this on 
um, Thursday early, you know, that's a week away from the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, the Cavs aren't talking to anyone. You haven't seen anything out there about this, um, uh, uh, the, like actual fire in terms of, of what they're doing to try to move that pick. So um, maybe at this time next week, there still will not have been a draft pick. You know, there might be all kinds of movement. But, but as of now, I would say it's a possibility. And as of now, it is more likely than not that they make. And if they do end up deciding, hey, it's probably best that we trade this this piece that we just drafted because he's the centerpiece of a deal for X player to give another running mate to LeBron James if LeBron decides that he wants to stay in Cleveland. Would that young player also have to be packaged with Kevin Love? Right? I mean, I think so. I just, you know, you Chris, you know, you know how the fan thinks, and the fan thinks, ah. JR is nowhere near what he was. <laughs> yes. Look at his salary. This is ridiculous. Trade him. Or, right, oh, right. Tristan and the Kardashians, you know, ah, oh, trade him. Yeah. Well, George Hill, trade George him. George Hill, oh. Well, that's, of course, you know, Clarkson, like, that's not how it works. Uh, you know, teams have to want the other guy. Yeah. Um, and I, it's, it's hard to imagine. Now, listen, both George Hill and JR have stretchable contracts which means you could cut the guy very little of the final year of his deal are guaranteed. And so there's a scenario where you save money depending on what you're sending out um, by taking on that contract. That is true, but you would think that by and large, you'd have to trade Kevin and the pick to get somebody that's worth bringing in for that. So this is where I go with this, Joe. Um, if the goal in doing that is to appeal to LeBron, like show him a different plan, a different set of teammates. Um, if you're packaging Kevin with that young player, like you're still a team with two all-stars. Right. Right. I mean, the goal is usually big three, right? And I guess if it's Kemba instead of Kevin, or if it's CJ McCollum instead of Kevin, or if it's, I guess, Paul George instead of Kevin Love. You're still only a team with two all-stars. And the question is, is that going to be enough with the other things around this team, which I would say the other pieces around this team leave a ton to be desired too. So you're kind of moving the pieces around the board and you're putting them in different spots, but you're still kind of in the same position where you started, right? Yeah, I think so. I I mean, I I think so. Now, of course, there could be a piece that we're not seeing to this. Um, okay. And, and you never know uh, as you get into the next year which guys become available. Right. Um, and they, you know, they take a bad contract because they're just going to cut it at the end of the year um, when those dollars become non-guaranteed next summer. And then there is the other thing to consider about, again, 2019 and 20, which is only one summer from now. Mm-hmm. Um, being in a great spot. Right. Uh, great spot. And you might have LeBron. <laughs> right. Like, so, hey, listen, LeBron. Um, right. So, you know, we're, we're going to do what we can to get to, to, to get a, a good team this year. But check this out for next year. Mm-hmm. That's possible, too. I like that way of thinking. I wonder if, um, I wonder if the Cavs would present it that way. I wonder they if they be. feel like. I wonder if they feel like that's probably the best presentation that they can give to LeBron at this point, understanding the realities of what they have to deal with here. I mean, I knew things were better 
uh, a, a summer from now, salary cap wise, but now just like really pouring over it while we're talking, it's uh-huh. it's stark. Yep. Kyle says, um, does LeBron signing a max deal make sense? That would possibly make it his last contract and give him the chance to play with or against his son in his last year of the contract. How much do you think LeBron getting the max matters to him? You know, I go back and forth on that. Um, he, he, I, I think it does matter to him. Mm-hmm. I think he wants to be able to say that he had one of those contracts. Um, and I also still feel like he, he believes he's capable of getting one next year. But every time you enter into a season without having signed that gargantuan deal, um, you make it a little bit less likely that you're going to get one. And I do think that matters to him from legacy perspective. I think it is part of his legacy to say he was paid like that and had one of those kinds of contracts. Um, and the best one he can get, of course, is in Cleveland. So that would be another thing that would um, point in Cleveland's direction. This one from C Marsh four two zero two. Maybe you just answered this right now, but I think this makes it more specific. Okay. Can LeBron still get a max deal if he signs it with Cleveland and then gets traded? Yeah, I mean, yes, yes. Theor- theoretically, yes, that that is true. He can do that. I I don't. Um, I just don't. I don't. I don't know why. I don't see that as being like the avenue. I mean, so I don't know that it's worth talking about long, okay. like a bunch. Um, there's just, there's other ways to get that done. So, okay. So explain to the listeners, the whole thing about sign and trades and the, the problem that the Cavs could have in terms of acquiring guys in a sign and trade, let's say it's DeMarcus cousins or who else is a free agent. I'm trying to think, uh, I guess DeMarcus cousins would be the best example of that. Like they can't get him, right? They can't get anyone. They they cannot do a sign and trade in which they take the player on the sign and trade. Can't okay. do it. And they don't have the the salary cap space. Just so everybody out there listening knows, they don't have the salary cap space to go out and sign Demarcus Cousins. Correct. They don't have the salary caps. The most they can pay someone as a free agent. There's two. They can pay Rodney Hood whatever they want, um, because they'll make him restricted. And uh, they can match any offer. So they can pay Rodney Hood more than they can pay any free agent. So chew on that one for a minute. Uh, And then the other thing that they could pay, the most they could pay a free agent is about 5.2 million. Mm -hmm. That's the full taxpayer exception. And then they can trade for a player without sending out anybody um, worth 5.8 million. They have a trade exception for that much from the Kyrie deal. So okay. that's not nothing. Um, but I still don't think they can do sign and trade for that. Okay. But, but that would come into play probably, the, the whole thing about taking back a player for about 5.8. Yeah. The most realistic scenario for that is LeBron stays, right? And then um, there's some team out there that's looking to, to get rid of uh, a guy who's $5.8 million, maybe towards the end of his career, a veteran guy, and that team that has him is going into like more of a rebuild. We're going to go younger, so please take this contract from us, this bad contract from us, right? Right. I mean, just like this would never happen. Um, for instance, just for instance, uh, Dirk 
um, is owed five million. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So, so like Lance four point three. Mm. Um, sure. You know, I'm just kind of flipping through some teams here while we're since we're talking about this. Sure. You know, Ben McLemore five and a half. Okay. Um, expiring contract. That's actually an interesting one. One to consider. So makes sense. Yeah. Dude of the house wants to know with so many bloated contracts on the roster, is there somebody who is most likely to be waived via the stretch? George Hill, J.R. Smith. Also, does Tristan Thompson have any trade value? Um, yes, yes. And I don't think very much. So I, I, I mean, I think, I think um, that, that uh, both of those guys are, that, that there's a possibility for that. Um, J.R. really struggled. Um, after the second round, I think if you look at the if you look at the whole of of his performance in the finals and even in the conference finals, um, it was tough for him. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think he feels very good about it. Uh, and then George Hill, I mean, just the same you know the same thing. He was more up and down, uh, but but overall not great. And and he's just owed a, a preposterous amount of money. So. Um, that there hasn't been anything out there that this is what the Cavs intend to do, but they are candidates for that. Okay. We've got breaking news on the Wine and Gold Talk podcast, by the way. Tiger Woods, he found the fairway on the first tee at the U.S. Open. Thank you very much. Oh, man. See, this is, I mean, th- this is when you, what you call sacrifice. Chris <laughs> was willing to start this podcast when we started it uh, to accommodate my schedule, knowing it would bleed into Tiger's round. So. Yes. Not only would it bleed into Tiger's round, the very beginning of Tiger's round, like when you want to be there to watch it all so you can see the swing, you can see how he's moving, you can see all that kind of stuff, Joe. But he found the fairway on number one. There was a prop bet, actually. There was a prop bet about whether or not he would find the fairway at number one. So what do you plan? Like you said, that's what you want to be doing. Um, like you, that, That's when you want to be in front of the TV. So like, yeah. What do you plan to be doing when this all falls apart? When what falls apart? Because well, his round. I mean, he's going to he's going to hurt tongue, sir. He's going to be in the sand, and his back's going to hurt, and it's going to be a disaster, and he'll be slamming the trunk, and your weekend is ruined. You know, I was going to make this podcast go a little bit longer, but I think I'm done with you now at this point. <laughs> I don't think there's anything else I want to talk to you about. Find one more question, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, we actually have a bunch more questions. It's okay. I'll go a little bit longer for the listeners. For the listeners. So listeners out there, just understand the sacrifice that I'm making here. This is the U.S. freaking open. This is the thing that I've been waiting for basically all year with Tiger at the U.S. Open. Um, all right. Don't you think he has a better chance at the British? Yes, I absolutely do. However, I will say that Shinnecock Hills, it kind of combines them both, right? Shinnecock is a link style type course on Long Island. Okay. So he doesn't have to hit driver a lot here at Shinnecock. He might be able to take a British Open type uh, approach at Shinnecock where it's all about just trying to par as many holes as possible. Um, and if you take the driver out of his hands, I think he's got a shot here. We'll see. We'll see if we're all still watching come Sunday. I hope I am. I hope I'm going to be wearing my red because that means he's in contention. All right. So Sean asks this question. um, And I usually take these questions and I guess I'll rephrase it my own way. Uh, We've already talked about the best option if LeBron comes back, about moving Kevin in the draft pick. Um, 
I guess my question is based on his question. Joe, do you think there's a way that the Cavs could add a second all-star or borderline all-star without moving Kevin Love? Do you think they have the pieces to do that? Um, theoretically, yes, but you have to gauge like you, you like I have not done enough homework on the roster salary positions of the other 29 teams to gauge who is in such salary cap hell with no chance for winning this yeah. year that they would be willing to take on the contracts that it would take to get that player. Um, you know, the, the pieces the Cavs have, like, they, wouldn't, they would have to move their, their number one pick for sure. Absolutely. That would be the centerpiece. It would have to be. Um, they could guarantee Kendrick Perkins' contract for about $2.5 million and then throw that in. Yep. That up, so that upgrades. That, that's a waivable contract that, um, that uh, adds value in terms of the, when you're trying to reach the, the salary of an all-star. So there's, there's that. Corver's contract is tradable. Mm-hmm. Um, so then now you're starting to get there. And then, you know, you've got, as we mentioned, you've got JR, you've got uh, George Hill contracts that are potentially um, stretchable depending on your situation. So, yes, the pieces do exist, theoretically. What would take time, I think, is to find the team that would be interested in doing that. Gotcha. That makes sense. Um, I think the names that you hear most often are CJ McCollum, yeah, I, I think that one's hard to see. I I have gotten indications that Portland doesn't want to break up their All Star backcourt, and I, I wouldn't understand why. Yeah, come on now, it's of it's going to be very very difficult to get somebody the level of CJ McCollum if you go that direction. Um, Kyle Lowry, I think, is interesting because of all the changes that they've made in Toronto and yeah. some of the salaries that they have on their books. I think that one's interesting. Um, Mike Conley Jr. coming off an injury-riddled season. Who knows what direction Memphis is going in. They've got the fourth overall pick. Um, They could probably get Luka Doncic, who could run their offense. Conley's got a huge contract. And who knows if they regret that. Um, And then Kemba is the other name that you hear very often when it comes to That's the guy you want. So if it's Kemba, that's obviously Charlotte's number one player. It might be the, the... I don't know, the best player in franchise history, to be honest with you, probably the most popular player that they have. So if it's, if it's that piece, you would think that Charlotte says, you have to give us everything we want in order for us to move Kemba. Like, you have to blow us away. Don't you think that's the way that it would go? I don't know. I mean, they, I mean, they are in salary cap hell. They have right. a new general manager, right. a new coach. Um, patience to start over. Um, and so I think it's more just about the, I, I would say it's more about the move that gives you the most flexibility. Um, right. So I think they would say, we want the young kid that you just drafted. Yes. That's, that's, that is hands down. You, right. You're not improving this team like that without trading. Right. That. I think they would say, Please, please, please take the bloated contract of Nicola Batum from us. Um, and well, I think have, they'd have to take Jr. Yeah, they would probably have to take Jr. They'd have to. Uh, 
And I would think that they would say, we also want a young piece. So maybe Larry Nance Jr. type or Jetty Osman type. Yeah. Because usually these teams want young controllable pieces or draft picks or salary cap relief somehow, some way. And sometimes they want all the above. Well, I mean, the thing about Nance, I mean, you're right. Um, he, he would be something that you – like he would be a piece guys would want. And he's, he's, heading, he's heading into the final year of his, um, of his rookie contract. So mm. the, the, the problem is like trading Nance doesn't really help the Cavs now because he only makes two and a half million. So, yeah. and then if you sign him to an extension, um, I think that makes him untradeable. Hmm. I be- I'm pretty sure that's true. For another year or something like that? Yeah, for pretty much a year. Yeah, I think that's right. So, you know, so, so they can't sign him, boost the value of his contract, and then use that guy to go get the player we're talking about. I don't think you can. I'm pretty sure you can't do that. It's a good point. Uh, Clee Till I Die says, how likely is it that Hood will be back with the Cavs? I think it's reasonably like likely. Um, just because I, I, I believe he is, he's really hurt himself on the open market. Um, and so I think the Cavs are going to get a chance to have him, uh, and the talent that he has shown throughout his career with the chance to pay him less than he probably was expecting to make. And with the hope that they can reach him mentally, uh, get to a place with him mentally that no one, including the Cavs has been able to do before. Luis with a question that so many people are asking when it comes to LeBron and trying to keep him in Cleveland. Can Dan Gilbert offer percentage of equity ownership of Cavs to LeBron as part of compensation to keep him here? That's a no. How, how many times, Chris, do we have to write this and say it, <laughs> and, it and podcast it and radio it and headline like, hey, Joe, like, it, doesn't ma- it doesn't matter how many times we say that you can't do this. The question still comes. I know. It's unbelievable. People are so adamant that that's going to be the difference that keeps LeBron here versus LeBron going. They just want to break as many rules as possible, Joe, to keep LeBron. And from that standpoint, I kind of get it. Like, like you understand, of course, that not everybody reads every story you write. Right. Not everybody listens to every radio show you're on. Not everybody checks every tweet that you tweet. Um, But you would think – that most fans would have run into that answer somewhere. Mm-hmm. You cannot do that. Yep. Yep. All right. So before we get out of here, as of today, and things change so quickly in the NBA, it's only June 14th. Um, by the way, Tiger is making a mess of hole one after putting in the fairway, by the way. Blew it over the green, hit a flop shot where he tried to get too tricky, ball rolled right back to his feet. So, he's, well, oh. yeah, I mean, as at this point in our podcast, um, Rory's plus 10, Jordan is plus 8, and yeah. Phil is plus 7. So, Tiger's heading for bad things. Right, and Tiger right now is staring down, hoping – hoping to save bogey on number one, but really it's probably double at number one. Um, So before we get out of here, uh, how would you rank LeBron's destinations? Go one through five. 
Okay. Um, I'm going to say, like, for me, L.A. and Cleveland, like, you can make such a case for both of them. So Cleveland, L.A., um, Philly, Houston, and San Antonio. I would go Lakers one. Mm, I keep going back and forth on two. I really do. Uh, I'll go. I could be convinced on that. Certainly. Lakers one. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll go Lakers one, two. Oh man, I'll go slight, slightest of edge to Philly two. I'll go Cavs three. San Antonio four. I think is really interesting, and then Houston probably five. San Antonio, if Kawhi stays in San Antonio, LeBron, Kawhi to start and then find something else to go with those guys and Greg Popovich, and it was released yesterday that Greg Popovich is contemplating retirement soon, so he might be gone by 2020. Um, A chance for LeBron to play for Pop? I don't know. It would be quite interesting, I think. I just don't see it. But – I mean, as we say, we've said this. I mean, it would be such a different life for him than he's used to. Right. So. Completely different. All right. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk again before the draft because that's coming up first, and that's going to be very, very interesting um, what the Cavs do with that. They've got the number eight overall pick. Do you have a vibe on the direction that they're going to go with that? Yeah, I mean, it it seems – I, I would suggest that they're looking at guards, but, um, you know, I mean, Porter's there too, so we'll see. All right, buddy. We'll talk soon. Okay, man.